What's up, bikers? Happy 2023 again. I don't know why I said that. Just felt like the right thing to do. <laughs> Anyways, it's episode 143. Today we have Cognitive MTB on. They are out of they're back east. So I'm I was gonna say where they're from, but I'm I'm gonna wait because I'll end up saying the wrong thing, and you know how that goes. All the paparazzi will be bothering me, like, dude, this is a misquote, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Anyways, I really appreciate everybody that's been hanging out and checking out the uh, podcast. I've seen a bunch of new listeners and uh, different different names on the, the comments on YouTube. So if you're enjoying it, please hit subscribe, hit thumbs up if you like the episode. You know how it works on YouTube. If you are a podcast listener, do me a favor, swing by Apple Podcasts, write a review over there preferably a five-star review. If you feel like you, you have a four-star review in your heart, just let it go. Just be like, you know what? I don't need to waste my time. But but if you want to write a five-star review, go over there. I'll check it out. Those things always make me super happy to read. So I really, really am I'm stoked about that. Anybody who signed up for Patreon over the, the, the break that I took, the end, the holiday season, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate that. It is as little as a buck a month. Some of you guys are paying five bucks a month, you know, it, it may not seem like much, but honestly, it, it really helps keep me motivated. There's times whenever I'm like, screw this YouTube thing, man, I'm over it. And every time that I get in that mood, the thing that keeps me motivated is like, man, there's all these people on, on Patreon that are like really, really stand behind what I'm doing. And that makes me feel good. So if you can do that, it, it helps out. Honestly, um, it seems like I'm always spending money on something to do with this channel that I never thought I would be spending money on. So uh, you, you never know what it is every week. Some new camera, some new microphone, more IPAs in the fridge. I don't know, whatever it is. It's it's always something. So I really appreciate all the support over there. If you feel like you have it in you, swing over there and do that. If you watch on YouTube and you're like, you know what? I don't want to join Patreon. You can always throw a super chat up there. Or if you're watching this after the fact, I think YouTube has a thing that's like send a thanks or something. I don't know what they call it. Just click around down on the bottom until it says throw some money at the monkey. And then I'll do a little dance and then we'll, we'll be good to go. So anyways, <laughs> let's go ahead and bring Austin back online. What's up, Austin? Hey, Robert how's it going man i'm good how are you thanks for having me on the show yeah for sure dude so um so we can clear it clear it up right out the gate where are you guys located at so we are in hendersonville north carolina and uh, for people that don't know where that is it's about 30 minutes or so south of Asheville. Uh -huh. but um who cares about Asheville? more importantly it's about i don't know i can be at like the best trailheads the pisgah national forest and dupont state forest in less than 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Right on. That's rad, man. That's so, so 20 minutes yeah. is what it takes you to get to your trails, huh? Uh, at, at maximum. So when we, we moved here about six years ago from Raleigh, this was before starting Cognitive, and uh -huh. uh, an hour and a half down the road from our, our uh, business, the shop, so which is super convenient. You know, my wife was looking at, like, schools and grocery stores, like, where we were looking for a house. Of course, I was mm -hmm. looking at and um right. We, we planted ourselves like literally the most central point. Like, yes, you can live closer to, you know, some of the main trailheads, but it puts you further away from others. Right. Cause we're all national mm -hmm. forest. So there's not like one place that you start from, you know, there's probably maybe six to seven main trailheads for the trails we ride regularly. So we're like super, super close. I mean, I, some of the, like the best riding, I mean, I can, I'm maybe less than 15 minutes too. 
Right on, man. Get How long have you been riding? Um, so I actually started my two-wheel career in moto. Uh-huh. Um, really kind of got into that when I was 17. Um, wanted to go work at a bike shop and wash bikes. And my parents um, talked me out of that. And I went to college, worked at a Honda motorcycle shop um, while I was in college. Um and eventually managed the parts and accessory department there and actually quit college one semester before graduating. I went back and finished um, because I did a job at the Honda shop. I was just all in. So um, I really, you know, rode mountain bikes a little bit when I was younger, but like never real, real into it. Um, mm-hmm. I think around 2008, maybe 2007, we moved to Raleigh in 2006 from Harrisonburg. So um, anybody's familiar with that area, Shenandoah Valley, amazing, amazing backcountry riding there. I lived there for, gosh, how long did I live there for? Seven years, never rode a mountain bike there once, just dirt bikes and crotch rockets and all that stuff. Um, and then uh, That's ended in up working. in North Carolina too? What's that? That's in North Carolina too? No, that's in Virginia. So that's about oh, okay. six hours north of here across the state line. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I worked at the Honda shop for a while and then I worked for Western power sports for eight years who owns fly racing. And mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of people are probably familiar with that brand. So I worked with them for eight years, kind of on both sides of the counter as in worked retail, but then also worked on the wholesale side, you know, selling, you know, from the manufacturer selling to customers, which I didn't know at the time would really give me some insight into doing what I'm doing here. So right. 2000 or so kind of started getting a mountain bike really for cross training you know, for, for moto. And I, I raced a lot, mostly like enduro, you know, woods, gene CCs, endurance type races. I did a lot of moto during the week because we had motocross tracks, but not a lot of single track trails, but my main racing was, you know, in the woods. So it was a really easy transition, um, over to the mountain bike. And when my second child was born, whoops, that one, um, 2011, I really just got full into mountain bikes. I was kind of done with Dirt bikes, got tired of traveling, got tired of getting hurt, you know, spending money, just, mm-hmm. you know. Hurt oh, yeah, because it's cheap doing mountain bikes. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> well, honestly, man, it really is, like, you know. Um, and it's just, it's a, you know, I can I can go ride. And when the weather's good, I ride before work. And, you know, I'm on my bike eight to ten hours a week, you know, on average, especially when the weather's good. And, you know, moto, man, I'd be lucky to get in you know, two to four hours of seat time on a good week. Um, just right, because right. You're more accessible, you know, I can, you can keep a bike in a car, you can stop. Like it just, it was a lot low yeah. time investment for a busy life. And I really just fell in love with it. It ended up checking more boxes for me, you know, where like moto was the adrenaline and all of that. Like I found the mountain bike started checking more boxes like community. Oh, I get to ride with friends and we get to hang out and talk, you know? Um, there was just a lot more things and it kind of, you know, a little bit of that outdoor world being, being in the mountains, being in the woods and, um, you know, got the adrenaline box check as well. So I eventually right. moto, I guess, however long ago, over 10 years ago and been riding pedaling ever since. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I hear with moto guys, it's like an injury that gets them into mountain biking. Sometimes I hear it's, it's uh just cross training and then they end up being like into it or whatever but it's yeah. always interesting hearing why people make that that leap from one to the other so definitely definitely cool there what kind of bike you ride yeah. nowadays uh so i've got three bikes um i love them equally because they all do different things right you know it's right. like right tool for the right job so 
my newest um, full suspension mountain bike had for a couple months is a, a B2 Ritmo. Oh, nice. Absolutely fell in love with that. I really was really, really hesitant. Um, I was on a Norco site, a 2019, 150 front, I think 130 rear. And, you know, around here, like you got, you got to earn everything. You know, there's a lot of climbing and, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a two hour ride, you're going to climb 2,500 feet if you're, you know, if you're moving. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, go into a bigger bike. And I was like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm starting to kind of edge over a little bit into the endurance side of things. And that kind of scares me a little bit, but like, I'm always doing it because I want to go downhill faster. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, yeah. better shape. I can get to the top and I feel better and I can go downhill faster. You know, um, mm-hmm. I was a little scared to kind of go up to the Ritmo, just, you know, increasing, you know, like, is that going to hurt me climbing all that? But man, I really love that bike. It's really stable. Climbing. Is your riding there like, like big climbs, big descents, or is it kind of like up, down, up, down? No. So, it, so we have Pisgah and DuPont, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm familiar with either one of those. I mean, I've seen some YouTube videos, but I mean, yeah. it's not like I, I haven't ridden there, so I don't have like first hand experience. Okay. Yeah. So, so DuPont is definitely more like, you know, up, down, up, down. It, there still are, you know, a lot of loops that are climbed for a while, go down for a while, but it's more up and down. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely more intermediate. It's our friendliest trails that we have around here. Um, I think, you know, everybody kind of argues how many miles, I don't know, 60 to 70 miles of trails there. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely beautiful, like hundred foot waterfalls, just an absolutely incredible place. Just very, very magical. Um, and then, so that's a state recreational forest, 11,000 acres roughly. And then, um, Pisgah National Forest, which as the crow flies, probably is three to five miles away, but they, they feel like two different places, like the ecosystem, you know, like the mm-hmm. environment, just they're similar, but they're different. Like they smell different. They look different. You know? <laughs> it's, it's really cool. So DuPont has slick rock, you know, you hear about uh-huh. that, like lab and everything. Like we actually have granite rock slabs here. Um, mm-hmm. a trail called big rock, cedar rock, which is pretty famous. And it's just nothing, but not nothing, but, but you know, you know, miles of rock slab. Lots of rock. Yeah. 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 Super cool. But not, not like, don't think like chunky rock. This is smooth rock, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's chunky sections. So Pisgah is a lot different, right? Pisgah, we get up to 6,000 feet, 6,500 feet, highest mountains, um, east of the Mississippi. And Pisgah is very rugged, very steep, um, very blown out, um, you know, in some cases. So you get a lot more technical terrain, that is very much like climb for a while, descend for a while. Got um, it. Yeah, yeah. Those climbs are double track, you know, gravel roads, very little single track climbing in Pisgah overall. Mm-hmm. A little yeah, bit. Who really cares when you're climbing though, right? What's that? Yeah. Like who really cares when you're climbing though, if it's double track or single track, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at least right. to me, I don't give a shit about climbing single track. Like yeah. I just want to do the downhill. The downhill is all I really care about, right? Right. <laughs> well, and and the thing is though, like you have beautiful views, right? You're like, so you know, sometimes you're passing waterfalls. I mean, like, so we have in Transylvania County, which Pisgah National Forest is over five hundred. Wait a minute, did you just say Transylvania County? Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. I just had to make sure I heard that right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're in Henderson County. Transylvania County's the next county over. Have you heard of Brevard? Brevard's yeah. a, like a bike hub, right? And, um, yeah, I think, uh, Bobo does a bunch of filming over there, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. so like all of his e-bike videos are done at Canuga, um, bike park, which is about 16 minutes from here. Yeah. Okay. So, well, um, so 
Yeah, Pisgah is about 500,000 acres and it spans like the entire western part of the state. There's a few other national forests pieced together, but, um, you know. Yeah, when you look at it on the map, it's just freaking huge. Because I've considered like my my wife and I were talking about moving sometimes and um, I've looked at like like eastern Tennessee and it kind of like yeah. butts up Pisgah but it's like Pisgah is like freaking huge you're like I don't even know where the writing is I assume it's just everywhere yeah well so that's the other thing too is the writing's really accessible like mm-hmm. I've learned that living here and then I travel back to Harrisonburg which they're working with a lot of um even a private ski resort that is allowing the nonprofit volunteer trail club to, to build a trail system on the western slope of the ski resort which is amazing but mm-hmm. you know access is so important. And I've learned like our access is so, again, I can be to a trailhead 15, 20 minutes. So it's easy to yeah. fit into, life, right. You can go before work. You can go after work and get a, an amazing ride in. Um, yeah. I'm like, I'm like 30 minutes if it's zero traffic and like everything right. goes perfect. Like the realistic time is more like 45 minutes for me to get to a trail. So a lot of stuff yeah. where I'm trying to like just squeeze in like a fitness ride or something like that. It's, you know, usually on my road bike and there's yeah. you know some some good stuff around here that's close for that. Yeah. But yeah. lately I've been doing this Zwift thing, man. It's just kicking my ass. So I, I, um, <laughs> I didn't know that they had like a whole pain cave up in that joint, but apparently they right. do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. I rode my gravel bike late afternoon right doing this because I just I wanted to go. Had my mountain bike in the van and had plans and just we're doing a bunch of renovations here. And uh, I was like, crap. So I just went home and hopped on the gravel bike and, you know, rode. you just, you know. And yeah. I mean, again, mountains, beautiful views. I mean, it's hard to not. You're on a bike. I'm, I'm pretty happy, you know. Yeah. Well, so, you decided to, so you decided to. um move to where you're at now is that at the same time that you decided to start cognitive or was that like did did that come later um so it i didn't move here to start cognitive i had wrote my business plan and kind of started getting my ideas together before moving here um had consulted with like some small business group that like helps you look at your business plan and in, in raleigh before moving um but I, I started it once I moved here, I, you know, started working on things behind the scenes and launched it about nine months after moving here. It was a super, super small, like literally would fit on this rack right here, you know, in the, in the corner yeah. of the garage type of thing. It was not super small investment, really honestly started with a really small vision, um, mm-hmm. you know, had a job, all those things. Um, so, but it, it didn't happen. It wasn't, we didn't move here for that. I mean, I moved here for the trails, the lifestyle, getting out of the traffic in the city. Um, you know, this is, you ask people, why do you move here? The mountains, of course, right? They're beautiful. Right. Um, so for people that don't back, know, it would have been possible. yeah, for so. people that don't know what cognitive is, could you give us a little, like, what, how do you, what, do you, what is cognitive to you? Yeah. <laughs> so we are a mountain bike apparel company mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we started off as casual, Cause that's easy, right? Screen, anybody can screen print t-shirts. <laughs> and um, we kind of started getting a little bit of a following and requests from our customers to kind of get into the performance category. And I kind of knew that from working with fly racing and really didn't want to, cause I knew what it was going to take. And um, so I guess for about three years now um, we've, we've jumped, you know, head first into the performance side of things. So we are like a, a head to toe, um, you know, full, on the bike, off the bike apparel company. And 
we still, even though, you know, the performance category is um, becoming a bigger mix of, of the products that we sell, like we're still really core into the lifestyle because there really is a lack of lifestyle apparel that, you know, elicits the things that we feel and who we are, right? It's like, you know, just a shirt that says cognitive, which we sell that doesn't say a whole lot, you know, but we have a shirt ride till you die. And it has the picture of a skeleton leg on a bike, you know, like that says something about how important this sport, this hobby is to me. And so the lifestyle side of things is something like that's, that's really still a big core part of our brand. Yeah. I think you hit a, a, a pretty good point there because if I think about lifestyle type apparel and mountain biking, I really don't like a lot of names don't come to mind. Like if I'm thinking about, let's just say some other people that are in your space, like hand up, they don't really have like more lifestyle kind of t-shirts. Tasco, I would say Tasco MTB, they do. Um, but like, even if you're looking at like the big brands that are more like, you know, specialized or like the bike brands or stuff like that, their gear is really not like lifestyle gear. It's more, more just like, Hey, here's our logo or, and some design behind it or something like that. So realistically as a mountain biker, if you want to have some shirts that are different, you're either probably buying like merch from a YouTuber or you're going to like uh, Etsy and, you know, something that somebody like vinyl did with a cricket or maybe screen printed, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I, I would say like, you know, one of the brands you listed, Tasco is definitely one of the ones, you know, that, that does a good job at that. And, and one of the few that that offers something in that space, because like to your point, everything else is pretty much brand, you know, and then it's like, well, you know, I've got a, I've got a fox head. I've got a fox T-shirt. Well, do you moto? Right. Do you mountain yeah. bike? You know what? What sport? You know, it, it's there's just there really isn't a lot in that space. And um, honestly, that that's it's fun. You know, like that's you know, uh, performance apparel is something that we spend the majority of our time on because it is very difficult, and we custom build everything. We don't you know just go take a blank and put a design on it. You know, we're full custom mm -hmm. spec, you know, material size chart and everything. But coming up with a t-shirt design that really like elicits what I feel and what I care about and who I am that um, that's one of the, that's one of the funnest things we get to do. Cause you know, we do, you know, up and everything starts with like an idea and like, Hmm. So the right to you die, I have that. It was a terrible idea, but it was a, I have a terrible tattoo down my spine that says ride to you die. that I got <laughs> my when I was writing moto and I was like, I'm going to make a shirt out of that. What could I do with that? You know? Right. Yeah. I, I, um, I designed the shirts that I sell in, in, in my like on the, my merch store basically and uh it's it's not easy coming up with the good ideas you know that aren't like you know biting off of somebody else or whatever but like it, it's definitely um it's fun you know like i i really enjoy that that creative aspect of it yeah yeah absolutely so what made you decide you wanted to start this endeavor because um like it's not an easy market to get into especially like yeah you know, outside of like a small, like your local geographic area, you know what I mean? Yeah. So as I like to say, um, the internet is a graveyard of failed apparel companies, right? <laughs> don't, don't try to do an apparel company or open a restaurant. Like those are the two, like don't ever do. That. 
<laughs> By the way, Oddly I enough, know. both of the things that I'm like, hmm, that would be fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the other half of this building, we're opening our first retail store paired with a coffee shop. Oh, uh-huh. like, come on, man. Nobody makes money selling coffee, but it's right. there's <laughs> coffee and taps, right? Not right, right? So, yeah. And so, a lot of times, like when I talk to people and they ask, like, you know, how did you get how, any advice? I want to start something, whatever. You know, one of the one of the biggest pieces of advice I give is like, be open to change, you know. So, don't go in and say, this is what I want to do and this is what we're always going to do mm-hmm. because sometimes you follow the market, right. You got to listen to your customer base. You got to you got to follow the industry. You got to you, you you've got to adjust. You know, and um, so really, like, why did I want to do this? Where did this start from? Isn't oh, isn't necessarily where we're at today and why we're doing what we doing we're doing right. So the right. initial the initial why um, was seeing a lack of casual apparel that had connected mountain biking to popular places, right? So when I launched Cognitive, um, it, we had one design um, for Pisgah National Forest and one for DuPont, right? And it was a t-shirt design. And I think I had it on a pair of socks um, and maybe a hat that said Pisgah or something and a hat that said DuPont. And because there, there, there were Pisgah and DuPont apparel options out there, but they were all about hiking. There was nothing about mountain biking. And I said, well, hey, like these are two of the top mountain biking destinations on the East Coast. Why don't we have anything? And the initial idea, honestly, was to do that and replicate that around the country. Right. Like pick all the top spots, find somebody local and have them kind of be an ambassador, you know, and represent, you know, leverage their relationships. And um, and we'll, we can get into this more later. But, you know, so kind of seeing that and setting that framework was like, well, if we're going to do that, we're going to give back to the volunteer organizations that take care of the trails. Um, so that was like from day one, we've always donated back from every sale from the very first day. And anyway, so we started with that kind of started adding some other things from, you know, made some connections, Shenandoah Valley, uh, Rocky knob, which is a couple hours North of here. These are like well-known big areas. Um, and quickly saw it just wasn't going to work, you know, like it just, there wasn't enough demand for that to support a company or an income or, you know, a brand. It just mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't enough. And, um, our, I guess to like our, you know, kind of started building a little bit of a following cause we had a voice and a brand and like people were kind of, um, seeing something different about it, you know, and, and like, okay, I, d- I identify with this brand, like, you know, they, they love the mountain bike. They're about community. They get back to the, the, the clubs that take care of the trails. And they were asking for, you know, customers were asking for other designs. And so, all right, well, let's try it and see what happens. So um, we launched the Go Ride Your Bike, which is still one of our really popular designs and a design called the Bare Necessities. And it was kind of like to test, right? Let's see what people say, you know, will this sell? And then, of course, it was outselling the, uh, the trail collections. Um, you know, and, um, so once, you know, kind of saw the light with that, it was like, okay, we kind of need to rethink, you know, what I'm doing. This was, I'm just, you know, a one man show still working a full-time job, you know? Um, so, um, this April will be three years full-time in the business. So the first two years were, um, you know, working another job. It was, it was a a I know how it goes, dude. I've been doing YouTube for five years. I still haven't quit my job. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
Well, funny story. I put in my notice and then COVID hit in March. I put my notice in February. My notice hit in, or COVID hit in March and my company got scared about me leaving. I got scared about me leaving. And right. I was like, yeah, I'll stay on like another six weeks till the end of May. Well, then a month later in uh, April, I, I got a phone call from like a manager up and Baxter from HR. I'm like, why is Baxter from HR? I must know I'm quitting soon. And I got laid off. And like, <laughs> <laughs> right. April 16th, the day after tax day, 2020. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm targeted because I already put my resignation in. Right. And, right. Um, and of course I'm talking to the guy and I'm like, I'm super happy. Oh, I don't like, I don't have to work tomorrow and you're going to pay me for six weeks. Like I got a severance package, you know, I'm like super yeah. happy. Well, it turns out like it was one of the biggest layoffs in the company's history. And like, I was probably Baxter from HR's best call of the day, you know, because everybody else was like, I lost my job. And I'm like, sweet, I'm fired, right. paid for six weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you just like totally lucked out because you're like, instead of me just quitting, you just gave yeah. me a severance package. Like, right. you exactly. you screwed up, Baxter. You didn't right. do any <laughs> any research, did you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, this, this is just like another feather in the cap of like how corporate companies work, you know, like. You could have kept me on it. It cost you the same. <laughs> right. So, or, or cost them less at that point, probably. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So right. as I kind of started getting the brand more, um, we started doing some tech, some, some jerseys, which I was using another company to make, which is something that we do now for other companies. And um, man, we just saw an opportunity to really do things better. Honestly, like, you know, again, I ride a lot. I spent a lot of time on the, the saddle, you know, every week and started kind of connecting with other people that were very technically minded, some friends that, uh, from Crankjoy that ran a review website, you know, they're doing, you know, bike reviews and gear reviews and um, they're not doing as much nowadays, but they were very into gear. So it's like kind of found myself, had the right people around me, even started a mastermind group and like, you know, bouncing ideas and where do we take this? And like, you know, talking about their business and our business and, um, you know, so at that point, you know, maybe a year and a half in or so decided, okay, let's, let's make some technical apparel and let's, let's do it right. Let's go slow. Let's test, let's do, you know, do, do, do everything the right way. Of course, had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> so, right. you know, full of hard knocks, right. Um, took, took two years to make a pair of shorts, um, lost thousands of dollars, fired a bunch of factories, but have an absolutely amazing product. It was worth it. You know, we'd refuse to settle all those type of things. Um, so, you know, once we kind of saw that, like, there's an opportunity with the technical apparel, like, you know, and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to take this risk. I'm ready to do that. And we're just going to figure it out. You know, like we're just, we are going to figure this out and it's not knowing what to do. It's about being committed to figuring it out and doing it right. You know, um, Cause there was no handbook. There was no manual. I didn't have training. Um, you know, and, and, and then about, I guess it was about two and a half years. Um, Rachel, who's our brand development manager came on, um, with me. I had a couple part-time operations people came on full-time and, um, that really changed things. Cause I, I, I had somebody to work with, you know, and, um, she had some experience in the outdoor world and was just really enthusiastic about the brand and our mission and vision. And, um, you know, so kind of with, with the vehicle of apparel, you know, we've used that to raise money for trail clubs. Um, one of our 
um, kind of our overarching mission right now is ride bikes, build community. And a lot of things fall underneath that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's back to like, you know, failed apparel companies. It's a man. It's scary. You know, it's, it's not about having it figured out. It's not about like, this is great. You know, we're, we're making so much money. I mean, it's hard, right? We're a very inventory heavy business. I mean, this, this warehouse, this is our office right here in the warehouse over there. We're like, 1600 square feet but we've got 20,000 pieces right on the other side of that wall you know yeah i mean that's the reason that a lot of youtubers use like direct to garment kind of services i mean me personally like i i can have you know 20 different shirt designs and not have to have any any like inventory at all which is like that's huge for me because i don't know what sizes i'm gonna sell or what sizes i'm not gonna sell and you know, there's some things that I will buy and and sell like separately. Like I, I have some like tumblers, kind of like these like Yeti kind of cups that have my logo on it and some other things like that. But um, but that's like that's the same no matter what. But when you're talking about like, hey, have this shirt in five different sizes in yeah. three different colors, you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing one shirt. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, so I can only imagine having having an entire store of it. So is your um like plan to kind of do shirts like this is the best way I can say it, like like how like hand up and Tasco does gloves, like you have like a, a different release on a regular basis, or is it like you just come up with a design, throw it up on the website, and then it stays there until you sell out or you keep it forever? Like what's your what's your idea there? Yeah. So whatever I tell you today will change tomorrow. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) if that's fair. Um, Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the big brands, again, I work for fly racing, right? There was a spring release, maybe a limited summer release and then a fall release. Like that was it. Right. And they introduced all their products at once, you know, for the season and um, kind of like Tasco hand up us, you know, smaller guys, it's a little bit different. And I, I, I always, the word that, the best way to describe it is a perpetual new product release schedule. So yeah, I like that. leasing new products. We don't, we don't have like a small batch like Tasco, like every month there's this and people can expect that. They just know that with Cognitive, we're going to be rolling out new products pretty regularly. They don't know if it's going to be a new shirt design or a new Jersey glove design. You know, like we don't, the, the anticipation of what's going to happen exactly when, um, it's, you know, we, we keep them guessing, <laughs> not by design yeah. that we operate, you know? So like right now we kind of have our next six months planned out of exactly what's going to happen when, and it will be a mix of casual and performance apparel, um, getting ready to be released. So, um, actually our new trip is, is getting better. Hopefully if everything goes well, we'll be released towards the end of this month. So your new, what? I'm sorry. For some reason, yeah. like it, it, when I talk, it tends to cut you out for like a second before you're saying, yeah our, our new trail pan so first time we've had trail pants oh nice right on yeah. that's exciting yeah. and you know and, what dude i never thought that i would wear pants like i i live in northern california it it like if it gets lower than like 40 something i'm just not riding like you right. know like, <laughs> like right like, so for the most part if you're you that luxury wearing, Right. So like if you're wearing shorts with knee pads and long socks anyway, like you're almost wearing pants. Right. And uh, I think it was hand up. I think hand up sent me a a pair of pants to just try. They're like, just try them. 
And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. And then I wore them, and all of a sudden, I was like, I'm a pants guy. Right? <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally didn't know. Like, it's really nice. Like, honestly, even out here, when it gets cold enough, it's like, it's just nice to have that little bit of extra like wind barrier. And then yeah. the thing that I really like is in the spring out here, the poison Oak is like out of freaking oh, control, geez. but it's still like cool enough that you can wear pants. So it's like another barrier between me and, and like that, that monster that's always trying to get me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I was say, cause you know, down in the thirties, mid thirties or so, you know, knee pads, shorts, and some thick socks. So that's pretty good. But once you try the pants, it's like, yeah, there's no, there's no going back. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely different. The problem that I, I've come up with now is that I don't know where my cutoff point is. So like some days yeah. I'm like, no, it's totally cold enough. And then I get out on the trail. I'm like, holy shit. I'm sweating my right. ass off right now. <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I have to like, like I have to figure it out. I'll, I'll dial it in eventually. I'm sure. Yeah. So. That's really rad. So what's yeah. what's different about your pants or what what um what went yeah. into your your like decision making when you when you built those? Yeah, so um we have two different versions and I'll get into the easy easy explanation first or the you know not so exciting explanation. But the you know the the pants are built on our shorts and um our shorts are very different than anything else that's out on the market, like period. Um and, you know, part of it is like, we just, we spent, again, we really spent two years like developing them, like making a lot of mistakes, tweaking materials, size chart. Um, it, it is crazy. And I know some people listening are going to be like, yeah, I've experienced that. You get a pair of shorts from like, and I've seen a buddy, he sent me a picture from another, from a, a pretty well-known brand. And he goes to stick his hand in the pocket and the zipper's too small. Like his hand won't even stick. Like, come on. Like, do you guys not even test this stuff? Um, so like we spent a ton of time dialing in our pockets we have two pockets on this on both sides that'll fit any size phone we call it the disappearing phone pocket because even now i'm having to wear them for a year and a half and i'll be riding and i'll do the panic like did i lose my phone i'm like no it's still in there i just can't feel it um and like you know another thing we we uh, i kind of joke i say we boast the largest zippers in the industry um you know shorts are known for zippers breaking you know, like there's a lot of companies that use cheap materials. We use YKK. We put big zippers on there and we've, I think we've had one failure on a fly zipper in a year and a half and it just wasn't sewn properly. It wasn't the zipper itself actually breaking. Um, so it's like you have like a built-in belt that you can kind of like adjust yeah. the, the waist with as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, oh, well, let me tell you this, you know, like back to like what, what makes us different, what makes this product different, like we, we sent out a survey to 500 of our customers and said, what do you want in a short? You know, and something that showed up that I didn't expect was we want more pockets. I was just going to put a one phone pocket on the right leg. And I said, okay, mm -hmm. double the pockets. Well, guess who uses both pockets? Me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the time. Right. It was just something that wasn't on my radar. And like, we, we got, we got back close to 200 um, surveys, you know, people answered and there was a lot of consistency. We don't want Velcro. We don't want baggy. You know, we don't want them too long. We want we want more pockets. We don't want, please use good zippers. And um, so yeah. there's no on the shorts. The pockets are in the right location. They work. And um, that built-in waist adjustment, you know, we didn't come up with that. Um, Chromags used that. Patagonia's used that. Um, we made some tweaks to it. And we felt like we made it a little better, honestly. 
and it works really, really well. Um, so where's the where's the part that you pull on on that? Because I was just looking on the website, and yeah. um, it, like it, it looks like it's kind of like a nylon belt that that yep. doesn't go like all the way through the belt loops. I'm just explaining it for people that are listening. Yeah, and then um, it it looks like your your button actually has like a hook on it as well, or is it just a button? Yeah. So the if you see the metal hook, the okay, the so waist, it does have a hook. Yeah, okay. it does have a hook. Yeah, the waist is basically nylon webbing, and it mm -hmm. it's so bar tacks at a certain spacing so there's like predetermined locations you can just put the hook on the webbing and a cool thing about oh, it oh i see so you just look it to a different spot exactly yeah pull it in or out as needed um oh. and then like where's the extra flap go or does the flap go all or does the, the that part with the webbing part just go all the way around um so it, it's only across the front and it doesn't okay. stick so it remains like really flat so there's no bulk there's no nothing sticking out like it's super slim you don't feel it when you're leaned over on the bike it just works really really well right so that webbing piece that has the little hook spots in it that goes all the way around to the front as well so it's not like you have like a flap when you change the position yeah so so it well it, it's sewn into the waistband on the outside at, at the different it. okay it's basically, it's basically from the center button over to the side one thing Got we it. did is we shifted it off the hip bone on the side, because mm -hmm. that's a, you could actually feel it a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable. So we shifted it towards the front. So the, all the adjustment would be on the front and not on the side. Dude, I like that. That's actually, that's pretty slick, man. Yeah. So, I mean, and one of the biggest things we're known for with the shorts is the fit. And look, they're not going to fit everybody. They're going to fit probably 80% of people because they are a slimmer fit, right? Mm -hmm. They, we, we call it a performance taper. Um, the short itself is actually tapered. It doesn't have like that loose big opening that a lot of shorts have. You can probably see that from some of the photos. So if you have a smaller waist and massive legs, it's probably not the right short for you. Right. Because, um, our legs are, are, are pretty tapered. Um, but they run really true to size. We have a full, we go up to 44 and they're actually, if you're in between sizes with us, you size down, you know, and yeah, that's right. like recycling clothing. Right interesting yeah um that i i have to, i have to try to set out man i'm always like into into trying different shirts just so people know um when i'm looking at the site looks like they're about 100 bucks a pair so they're not on the the cheap side that's for sure so yes it's definitely right. um what i've noticed though with with this kind of equipment it's like you honestly get what you pay for like yeah. every time that i look at a pair of hundred dollar shorts and i'm like no, dude. Because like at heart, I'm a cheap ass, right? Like I, yeah. I'll spend 350 bucks on some part on my bike, not even think about it. Walk right. into Target, pick up a $10 hat, walk through the whole store with the damn thing, get to the register yeah. and be like, I don't need to spend that. You know? Yeah. So like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I get it with the short, but like when people are like, that's just too expensive. But every time yeah. that I've, I've worn a pair of the expensive shorts, I recognize why they cost what they do like honestly yeah. like the comfort level the way that they fit when you're riding like right. all of those things like it, it's just um it, it's worth it it really is yeah. I, I like not to talk about another brand but i know like when there's a pair of tascos that are like they're like parachute pants the best way i can explain them they're shorts right. they're just so light though you put them on you, you feel like you're not even wearing them they're grit yeah. though you know yeah. what I mean? And like yep. when when you're comparing that to, you know, 
I don't know what what are what are hand up. They're probably like forty bucks or something, you know, or something. You yeah, know, I think they're like that forty to sixty dollar price range. Right, right. That's a big difference, yeah. you know. So, yeah. and, and the thing I is, think, it's a nice short for the money, right? Yeah, we yeah, yeah. Do everything that that hundred dollar pair of shorts does, and that's okay. Yeah. And and you know, occasionally, you know, we get some people that kind of man, hundred dollar pair of shorts. You know, I'm like, hey, listen, a hundred dollar pair of shorts is not for everybody, and that's okay. If you ride as much as some of us do, you're going to see the value, right? And like one of one of the goals that we have is that our clothes disappear. Like you don't feel them, right? Yeah. You want to focus on the experience. You want to be focused on, you know, the downhill, talking to your buddies, the view, the sounds, the smells. Like you don't want to be uncomfortable and moving. Like it, you shouldn't have to think about your clothing. That's our philosophy, you know, and that comes down to fit and feature and materials. Yeah, I really feel like it's one of those things that you just don't know like what the worth is until you have it. Like you could be yeah. wearing the $40. Like there there's even guys that are like $40. I could get these shorts on Amazon for $10. That's what I wear. And it's like, right. yeah, dude, you could wear those. You like anybody can wear those. It's just like it's like what's yeah. your power, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. And, and uh I, I just think that once you wear the nicer stuff, like you you get it. Like just yep. because you wear it doesn't mean that you may still, you may still not be like, yep, I'm in, you know, and you're going to go out and spend yep. 500 bucks on five new pairs, but me, but at least be open-minded enough to be like, oh, I recognize the difference because yeah, um, I think what you said a minute ago is about like, kind of like forgetting that you're wearing it. I think that's the, the, the good way, like, that's a great way to explain it because there's just little things that you that may irritate you a little bit, but not enough that you're like, screw these shorts, I'm throwing them away on the cheaper ones. Where once you have those those the higher the the higher dollar ones, those things go away. Like you totally you're like you're not thinking about it at all. You know, like um, I would say like like for instance, let's take let take hand up they have a drawstring that, that uh, like makes the size different. Right. So if you're yeah. on the small side of, of, of that size, when you have that tied, that drawstrings like digging into your stomach the whole time. And right. maybe the way that the material bunches on the front is like, it's uncomfortable as well. So it's like, it's not something that's going to stop you from wearing the $40 shorts, right. you know, yeah. but it's something that whenever you put on the other ones like yours that can just adjust to the size and it like, stays just as snug the whole time then yeah. you're like yeah. oh i get it okay this is cool like i can yeah. get a little i can gain a little i can lose a little and this yes. is gonna yes. be cool it's like before <laughs> holiday and after holiday adjustment you know so, right, right. <laughs> well and like you know the thing is too it all it also depends on the customer right it, it depends on what type look if you're getting on your bike and you're spending an hour or two hours a week on it you may not need a hundred dollar pair of shorts but when yeah. you're spending you know a lot of hours in the saddle regularly and big rides like it, those things really matter, you know? And I think, I think there's also like a little bit of, you know, in every industry, it's like, you got to fit in, you know? And like, sometimes we'll go to a group ride or bright man, sir, I don't have anything. Here's like, dude, I don't, I don't care, man. If you're happy and like, you're going to have a good ride and you're here, we're riding bikes. Awesome. That's all that matters, you know? And dude, I think everybody's I in a different guy, place. I know this guy, he's actually, in the industry and when he shows up to ride you would think that he's like one of these like 
fentanyl crack addicts on the side of the road that just stole somebody's bike because he's got like <laughs> like he'll have like five tens on but like like old white like athletic socks and like gym shorts with a hole in it and like 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 you're like what the fuck dude and then he shows up with this like ten thousand dollar bike and, right. and and you're like what the hell man you look like a homeless person but right. then he gets on his bike and shreds and he doesn't care about what he's wearing so it's like all right yeah. well, I guess that is what it is. oh that's so funny <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff. So, so basically, you had this short design that you guys spent a lot of time. So yeah. then, to turn that to pants, you just like, we made I'm them sure longer. Not as easy as just like just make them longer, right? Oh my gosh, it it was it honestly turned into a disaster. <laughs> it should have been <laughs> easiest projects ever, and it turned into a complete shit show. So, long story short, like we started, you know, we started sampling. We worked, we did some development, and like we had. We looked at probably six to eight other brands and, you know, did our homework and at, so asked a lot of questions, right? Figure out what people want. What's, you know, what does this need to be? What, what, are, what is somebody else not doing? Um, and, and honestly, there, there wasn't a lot out there. One of, one of the things that we kind of heard is like, I, I don't, I don't want a funky cuff on the bottom, you know, like just, just him it, you know, because number one, it allows you to go to a local seamstress, whatever, sewing shop and get them adjusted because there's not a lot of options in height, right? Um, mountain bike companies don't make regular casual pants. And when you, when you put. You're having a little bit of bandwidth problems, or maybe it's me. I'm not sure here. I'm going to ramble for a minute and see what happens. So, um, you were saying that basically they don't, they don't come like the lengths is, is hard to get right. So it's not yeah. like when you're buying jeans, you get a, right. a 36, 34. It's kind of like you exactly. get a, a large. Yeah. Pretty much every company I've looked at, and I absolutely could be missing this somewhere, offers one inseam length, right? Which I understand why. But when they put a special cuff on the bottom, right? In other words, it's not like a regular double hem, you know, that your regular your pants have, right? Double stitch line, hem. You can't do anything about it. You can't take it and get it adjusted because it's like a special tight cuff. It might be two inches big, whatever. So the first thing is we made it simple. We just put a double stitch with a regular hem on the bottom. We didn't need anything funky, right? Um, so anyway, we did our development, we did some testing, we were super close, um, did a little bit more testing, fine tuned our size chart and the factory completely screwed it up. Like I've never had this happen before. <laughs> like literally have never gotten this close to like having everything dialed. They at least were, um, forthcoming about it and said, Hey, I think we messed these up. We're going to send you some samples. And we basically got MC hammer pants, like literally <laughs> MC hammer pants. So, you know, here I am talking about launching these the end of January. We were supposed to launch them the beginning of November. We've got a lot of time and money into it. And, um, you know, it is what it is. So for some reason, man, they, they, you know, and we, we went through, I probably fired five to six factories. This was several years ago before working with this one to do our current guide shorts development and working with them has been great. Products, amazing communication, everything. For some reason, making them longer into pants just was not, not I don't know. I, don't, I just, there's no logical explanation of why it went sideways. So anyway. Yes, I'm sometimes working. I mean, I, some of the products that I developed for my channel, I, I went through companies in, in China and um, it's definitely interesting working A, with the language barrier and and B, just like the way that they perceive what you're saying sometimes. It's like, yeah. you're like, I sent you a picture 
exactly of what I wanted. Like I drew yeah. this in like Illustrator with like sizes. How did you screw this up? But it's, right, <laughs> it happens, man. It definitely yeah. happens. Yeah, and that's you know that goes back to like you know we always sample. We don't we don't rush things. We don't take chances. Um, and you know we're pretty fortunate. We're like three years in to like really making you know full custom apparel, and we're we're really stable. We've got four or five factories, probably three three main factories that we work with, like two we work with almost on a daily basis, especially with our custom program. We're communicating every single day and we're stable. Like they're, we have a great partnership. Um, they're just every, everything about it's really good. You know, this particular factory, again, I don't, I don't, we got a great relationship. Um, our shorts are phenomenal. Um, I just, I don't know what happened. I don't have a good explanation. I really don't. Yeah. Hey, we well, go back to the we did. Yeah, exactly. So, so long story short, what's, what's different about our pants. I mean, kind of all the features we talked about in the shorts are in the pants. Right. Um, so one thing that we did completely different, and I don't know if this is a terrible idea or a great idea. Um, but I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Michael McQueen, um, Pisgah podcast. He does, they do no. local. Um, so I worked with him. He's been in, in the industry and involved in a lot of different stuff. And he is like six, eight, really thin and i swear he's got legs that go all the way up to the sky and he can't find a pant that fits him right inseam wise like no you know i mean we we looked at a bunch nobody was even close i mean they were like inches off of where they needed to be and he's like man i'm telling you there's an opportunity for taller riders so we did you know again a lot of um, asking the right questions and getting feedback and so with this new guide trail pant we're going to be offering a standard inseam version they're going to be offering an in, an uncut um, with a 39-inch inseam. Oh, so wow. Right on. Taller riders, finally, there's not there's not a single pant in the industry right now to fit anybody with anything over a 34-inch inseam. You'll be able to, to buy that pant, take it to a local sewing shop, and have it him to be the perfect height for you. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, that um, market that you're talking about, the same market is there for big guys. Um, I definitely have, like, I'm a bigger dude, but um, my waist, fortunately for me, my waist is, isn't really that big, like where I carry my weights all like in the middle. And, uh, but I have a lot of guys that follow my channel because I'm a bigger guy, right? And yeah. they ask yeah. me consistently all the time like what shorts are you wearing what what like right. shirt are you wearing like where do you get this stuff from and i feel bad because uh, a lot of times I, I i what i tell them is like look i'm wearing you know this brand this brand this brand but i'm wearing like a 36 or a 38 you know where a lot of guys that that weigh you know 250 260 pounds they're not wearing that waist, right, you know, because yeah. yeah. I'm pretty tall too. I mean, I'm six two as well. And, and, you know, yeah. you don't see that on, on the channel, you know, it's not as easy to see unless I'm like standing next to Seth or something, but um, right. then I look like an ogre, but, <laughs> but uh, um, that same market is there with the bigger guys. It's just that, like, I know when I've talked to other people in your industry, it's always like, man, it's so much more cost for those, those sizes. Like you can't keep your cost the same. And and I can tell you, like, even if you had like, like the fat guy style, you know, of short and that was it. And it was only that one that you carried. If it was a good short, uh, you know, I, I think that there would be a lot of people that would be interested in those larger sizes yeah. as well that way. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that something cool that happened today. So we offer, 
all of our jerseys up to 3x and our um, men's shorts and pants will go up to size 44. So like that's 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 something we've already found that's been accommodating larger riders because we've been offering the shorts for a little over a year since we introduced them. And, um, you know, I had some buddies that like, honestly, we didn't do a lot of size testing on, 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 um, on bigger riders. It was mostly in that, you know, 30 to 36 range. And I'm like, keeping my fingers crossed. And I got a couple buddies, one's a 42, one's a 44. And I'm like, please, please. And they were blown away. Like, fi- like finally something fits me. Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't know if you know, uh, on, on Instagram, um, normal mount- mountain biker, right? He's yeah, a big dude. Normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had and, him on the show. So he, I've ridden with him a few times. Yeah, so, so he had a video out. I guess it was. I guess it was a video today about after holidays and like he couldn't get his shorts buttoned right, wearing small clothes. Well, somebody commented on it and tagged us and was like, "Man, you got to try Cognitive MTB. Like their 42s fit me amazing. Thanks for you know something about making for bigger riders. You know, so that was like mm-hmm. super. Cool. You know, I mean, I've gotten that feedback directly from people, but like to recognize, even though like. Normal wasn't like saying he didn't have a short. It was a, he was being funny, you know, but it was like somebody saying, Hey man, I'm a big guy and these shorts actually fit me, you know? Um, yeah, no, that's, that's super rad that you, that you go up to those sizes. So it's definitely, um, I will keep that in mind when, when people hit me up because, um, it's definitely, it's definitely something that's that, that a lot of guys struggle with, you know? And I think it's yeah. like when you're on those, like, shoulder sizes whether it's the 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 tall and skinny or the you know the 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 bigger waist or like whatever they are like like my wife she's super tall so for her to get like like pants that are long enough for her legs usually their waist is like huge and it's like well she's not big that way she's just long you know what i mean she's big that way (laughs) yeah yeah you know so it's like you know if she orders like something medium that'll fit her waist, then it's like, and they're knee high, you know? (laughs) It's man, I tell you like clothing, you know, clothes, like it's tough, man. It is, it is hard to like accommodate, you know, and fit everybody. And like the thing about us is we're always tweaking because we, we, we call a direct feedback loop. Like we, we actually, uh, you know, we talked about Jersey sizing in a new size chart. We, again, this fall, I guess it was like late summer, early fall. Guess what we did? We, we, we grabbed our like top 500 customers by how many orders, not dollar volume, but if they've ordered over five times or whatever, you know, clearly they like our brand, they've got our products. And we, we sent out a survey and asked questions like, if you've, if you've got our jerseys, we'd love to know, you know, what, what can we improve on? And that's kind of where a lot of our development comes from. Um, and so our, our, our newest, uh, Jer- Jersey size chart will, will, I guess, I guess the product launch, like the first product that will be in that will be towards the end of February. And we went back and we tweaked both the men's and the women's again and made some adjustments and feedback that, you know, came from our customers. And, um, yeah. so I want to ask you about that. So, so to be transparent for the listeners, he sent me a pair of gloves and a shirt, uh, and a Jersey before, before the show so that I could try that out. And, um, the jersey, first of all, um, I, I told him two X. That's pretty much like what I wear in most T-shirts. But every once in a while, like one brand's two X could be like I'm all of a sudden like a fat guy in a little jacket, you know. But like yeah. um, the two X came like it, it definitely fits true to size. So like if you're a two X guy or like you're like I feel like if you get the right the big size right, you're definitely going to get the smaller size right. So right, I, <laughs> yeah. 
I, I really like it, it definitely fit well, like all in, in the way that I would expect it for that size. And the thing that I liked the most was a, the length and um, B the back has like a, a, an arc to the back, which is like really big for me. I'm a little bit taller in, in my body than I am in my legs. And um, all of my friends get to stare at my ass crack if they're behind me on any given ride. So <laughs> I, I tested that out and even like fully like, like in the pain cave on the gravel bike bent over the ass crack still wasn't out so like you got the length right too so good job your, there your friends can thank me later <laughs> yeah the funniest well, thing is is like i have a tattoo like on the the higher side of my ass that says your name like your name so it's just like really like it makes me giggle because whenever my friends are following me that's yeah. what they have to look at <laughs> Like that's hey, that's motivation to train, right? Right, <laughs> get faster than Robert. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, part of the reason why I sent you the one that I did was so we we don't have stock of that new size chart. We have orders in with our factory that will be here next month for our mm -hmm. our first launch of our spring line, and we went back and we made some adjustments because we found that really kind of when you got to like the upper end of larger and extra large, they were, they were fitting small, you know? And so we took our time, we did our homework, we did a lot of test fitting. And, um, you know, so when that, when that new, we're, we'll be, everything will be going to that new fit. We feel like we're really dialed and really in line. And we're, I'm, I'm really excited to be past that project because we've wanted to do it for a while and we kept pushing it back and been busy and all these other things and we did it. And um, I'm really stoked to get that out there. So this is what I want to ask. So that, like, if I remember from looking at your website, those are around a hundred dollars. How much is that shirt? So the the jersey I sent you in the Pro Mesh Plus material, uh, short sleeve, fifty nine ninety five. So our, oh, okay, our, sixty bucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I was way off. Our, no, you're Thank good. You. Yeah, yeah. So we're fifty nine ninety five to seventy nine ninety five for a jersey. Um, we we offer four different materials, and sleeve length makes a difference too. So, but that kind of gives so you. So, what are the materials that you offer? Yep. So, we we have one material called Rev Pro. We don't offer a lot in that because that's more of like our cooler weather material. Um, it's just a little bit thicker, a little bit less ventilation holes. And then we have kind of, you know, hate to do the old, you know, good, better, best because <laughs> um, mm -hmm. really our materials are awesome. You know, you've got to experience the Pro Mesh Plus. Um, so, Pro Mesh Plus is kind of like our best all around. Um, does everything really well. The next one up from that, which is a pretty nominal price jump, it's like three to four dollars a jersey retail. Um, that one's called Midi Pro, and that one's a little bit lighter weight and more stretch to it. It's actually got some spandex content in it, um, so it gives more, a little bit lighter weight, a little bit more ventilation. And then our most expensive material we introduced, um, I guess it was late summer, and that's called Ion Pro, and that stuff is amazing. It is first off 100% recycled. Um, it's a combination of polyester, which you find pretty much in every, you know, sublimated Jersey. Um, again, a little bit of spandex, so it gives a stretch, but it also has a 6% silver ion content. And that's where the name ion pro comes in. The, the, um, 6% silver ion does a couple things. Most importantly, um, is it's antibacterial, antimicrobial done a ton of testing with it. It just doesn't stink. It's, it's amazing. Like I've, I literally like sweat in it. One of the first tests I wore it on a 24 hour bike packing trip on my gravel bike, 60 miles, wore it, slept in it, came back. This is May. It's getting in the eighties. Bald it up. 
was sweat, threw it in the back of the cognitive van and left it there for four days and then brought it into the shop and was like, hey, smell this. Um, and it like had the, it, it, had, it had like the most faint smell of like, well, it's not fresh, but it doesn't stink. Like it really works. It's pretty amazing. Um, wow, that's, well, what's the difference in price between like those different ones? So it yeah, was 16 so like, the bottom one or was the... Yeah, yep. So like to on a short sleeve jersey to go from um, standard $59.95 to the recycled Ion Pro is 10 bucks. You jump to $69.95. So mm-hmm. hard is selling online. Sometimes it's hard to um, communicate that to our customers, right? Like you can't, if you're, if you're in front of me at an event or we're opening a retail store here, you know, when you can see that fabric and you can feel it and we can tell you about it, um, it's really easy to justify that $10 and it's really hard to tell those stories online. You know, um, we feel like we do a fairly good job at it, but it's just, I don't care who you are. It's just difficult. So it's a, it's a pretty amazing performance button down coming out this year that will be exclusively in that fabric as well. Could you make like more of like a, uh, t-shirt type material shirt that would be like way down in cost like $25 that would have that same kind of cut um so yes and no so so currently like most of our um you know uh cotton poly blend t-shirts retail for around 30 bucks 29.95 right we try to keep everything under $30 it's been hard because a year ago our price of garment and screen print collectively went up about 40% and honestly, we didn't pass that on to the customer. Like we absorbed some of it. We went up like a dollar or two, but we're still, we're like, we're trying to keep it under $30. So we're 28 to 29.95 for a regular t-shirt, right? Screen printed, very high quality printing is like, we just, we don't have warranties period. Like we just don't, you know, um, we have a process here that hardly anybody does where we actually check every single shirt because we use the same blanks and we know where to look for the, we know where to look, you know? So before they even get screen printed, like we, we actually do a quality check here. And our screen printing process is, is very, very premium. Um, we just, we don't have warranties. So to go from there, right, there's the gap, right? Of screen printed, you know, next level, whatever, cotton poly blend t-shirt to full performance custom jersey. Um, finding in the middle has been something that we're um, looking at and working on. Um, actually, hang on. I, I have I something. Feel, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and talk for a minute yeah. while you're going and looking for that. So like for me... I've seen a few different shirts that some different manufacturers have made that are like more on the, the cotton side, but like, um, you know, maybe have some wicking to them or they're a little bit longer so that when you're riding, like what I said, you know, you're not, you're not, you know, it's not like a regular t-shirt length and those have been nice, but it's like, why can't you just like go to the vendor and say like, look, use this this you know polyester cotton blend or whatever this tri-blend kind of shirt and just cut it in this pattern for me so that you have that little bit of extra length on the back or whatever and then you can put the lifestyle kind of like stuff on it so it's like you wear it maybe on the ride and you know it's not a 60 dollars jersey but it at least like works well and then after the fact, when you're hanging out at the pizza shop, you still feel like you have a like cool t-shirt on, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing that I haven't seen from anybody yet. That's like, yeah. if you could do that at like the $30 mark, like for me, I feel like, I really feel like that's where you would hit 
a lot of people because it's like in that price range that's that's reasonable for for what you would like like instead of wearing your fox t-shirt when you're riding you would just wear this you know this other t-shirt that's actually like maybe you know set up a little bit better for for riding you know what i mean yeah yeah so i i just there's not much to show here but like i've got a stack of like half a dozen different different shirts that we're like experimenting with. You can kind of see the uh, airiness of that fabric. Um, so so the, there's a really good answer as to why that's so difficult. And that's something I've been working with my factory on and kind of pushing them of like, hey, we need to, we need to bridge that gap, right? And let's, let's call that a tech tee. I mean, that's an mm -hmm. easy name. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of companies offer that. And um, you'll see a lot of companies, like uh, we've talked about Tasco. Tasco has their... I think they want to call it, I think it's called the sessions tea maybe, but they yeah, I think that's what he calls it. Yeah. yeah. And he's changed it, 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 it. Like he was using different t-shirts through different time with those. And I think, yeah. you know, ultimately he's definitely like, like I, I feel like he's still on the high side of what I'm talking about. And it's also yeah, like true. still a t-shirt. It's not like right. take that yep. Jersey design and yep. like, just make it in a short sleeve, like yep. so that you have that longer back on it, or you, yeah. you know what I mean. It's just fitted yeah. better for riding, you know. Yeah, exactly. And and so like a lot of tech tees are made from dry release, which is an actual brand. Dry release basically is eighty five percent polyester, fifteen percent content, and it has some special properties. It's not just you know, polyester can be anything, right? It can be like your grandma's favorite, you know, going out shirt, or it can be a performance cycling apparel piece, you know. Not all polyester is created equal, um, but that's typically what you find in most tech tees. Darko makes them, Box makes them, and it's just a t-shirt with a screen printed logo, right? If it's got cotton, it can still be screen printed on. Um, it can't be sublimated though, because it has cotton. So here's the challenge. Here's why we can't do that. Um, so to offer that product, we would have to dye thousands of yards of the fabric because you can't sublimate anything that has cotton. It has to be a full polyester or, you know, a synthetic material, right? You can't sublimate anything um, if it's got cotton in it. So the problem is then you're stuck on colors, right? So yes, I could probably go to my factory and find, you know, work with them, go to the mill and find a good, you know, kind of lightweight t-shirt material. And we could take that and we could cut it to be just like our jerseys. But the problem is from the mill, you're going to get an undyed fabric and we'd have to dye it. And the minimums to dye fabric are extremely high. And that's the beauty of sublimation, right? You know, a good example. So I'm just going to, your, your internet's cutting out for just a second here. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to yak for okay. a second. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I think sublimation for those of you that aren't in the industry is just the ability to print on the whole thing. So you could get right. like a, like if you go to my, my merch store, I have like a little drawstring bag and that's a supplement bag. So the way it comes from the factory is it's actually a white bag. The whole thing's white, but I can make a design that's bright green and yellow and black and all kinds of stuff on it. And they just print the whole thing. And as far as you, it looks to you, it looks like that's how the fabric came. Yep. Correct, Austin? That is exactly right. And that's like, when you look at your jerseys, they're typically white on the inside because that's not been printed on, right? And, you know, if you're, you're familiar with screen printing, right? It's more expensive when you add colors. Sublimation doesn't matter because, you know, we can print a full black jersey or a thousand colors on a jersey, it's gonna cost the same because it's a digital file. So 
So the issue is if I go to sublimation, number one, I'm typically going to use more expensive materials, right? Because I'm going to be into performance materials because it's not going to have cotton in it. But I've also got to pay for the sublimation process. So it's like it, it instantly kicks us into that jersey price range. So the factory sent me a few samples to kind of check out. And I haven't gotten pricing yet, but we're, we're trying to see if we can somehow bridge that gap by still using a sublimated product. We're not going to be $30, but maybe we could be $39.95, you know, and, and, and find something that's not as techy as our jerseys, but still very appropriate for the trail and has more of like a t-shirt feel. And that's the challenge too, right? Is like getting something that doesn't look and feel like a jersey that's sublimated, right? That's, that, that is kind of difficult. So it, what's interesting, this material here, you guys probably can't see it, but like it, it actually like it almost reminds me it's it's it, it's it's fairly, you know, ventilated and very thin. But when you look at it, it almost looks like a polo shirt, like the way the, the material is woven. It's got this really mm-hmm. tight woven pattern. It's fully sublimated. Um, but it's just, man, that's, I've I, what you're saying is something that I've constantly like trying to figure out how do we get there? You know, yeah. if we. I feel like I feel like there's a huge market there because like yeah. this is the way I see it. When you go out and ride, like for the most part, unless you're buying a jersey, right? Like there's not a lot of like let's just say tech tees, right? That aren't that aren't like a brand's name. There's not like a tech tee that's like ride till you die or like go right. biking every day or you know what I mean? Yeah. And and to me, that type of t-shirt or frankly just a regular screen printed t-shirt is what i see most people riding in like not like the the amount of people riding in jerseys in my like just what i see when i go to the trailhead is probably like 20 percent. you know what i mean wow right like i don't know what do you see like when you i mean obviously like all your friends are probably wearing your gear they better you're like everybody's it's 100 percent where i'm at (laughs) yeah man 100 percent cognitive (laughs) yes yeah it is funny because like I, you know, just work doing this and having three kids and like, I just typically don't ride when anybody else is ride. I, I ride with friends a lot, you know, ride early yeah. in the morning. Like it's fun to get out there a lot of times, you know, in the afternoon on a weekend, which I did this past weekend and uh, I Canuga and was like, oh man, there's a lot of our gear out here. This is awesome. You know? Um, so, I mean, I would say around here, it's probably 80, 20, I would say 80% are wearing you know, an actual technical piece of apparel and, and the other 20%, maybe even less or not. And, um, you know what I'm thinking about? I, 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 while I, like, after I said that and I started thinking about it, I bet that what I'm saying has a lot to do with where I live compared to where you live. Cause it's super humid where you're at. Like when I was, I was, I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah. I'm from Pennsylvania. When I went, when I went yeah. back home and rode this summer, it was like, dude, I was sweating my, balls off and it's like yeah not to say that we don't sweat a lot out here in northern california but we definitely have a drier heat and yeah. i wonder if that's why you'll see a lot more people just wearing like more casual kind of stuff but yeah like even even at what i was saying is like and maybe some of what i'm saying is like they'll go to old navy and buy like a, a wicking t-shirt there yeah because it's yeah. like you know eight bucks or something like that instead of spending yeah like 60. So I'll see a lot of people in like wicking shirts, but not necessarily a lot of people in, in cycling brands. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, to your point here in the summertime, again, I ride a lot in the morning. We'll, we'll take off at seven o'clock. It'll be 55, 60 degrees, 
just depends on the day. And I will be drenched. I mean, dripping with sweat because the humidity is not. I mean, Pisgah is a rainforest. It's a temperate rainforest. Second highest waterfall concentration in um, the lower 48. So, like, it's just a very, very wet environment. And um, when I first started doing cognitive, I was screen printing T-shirts. And I convinced myself that I didn't need a jersey. And I, I, wore, I wore my T-shirts writing all the time. And my friends are like, man, are you comfortable? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. Man, I wore a T-shirt one time this summer for a short ride because I wanted to get a photo of it. It was a new design. And it was miserable. <laughs> I hated it. It was like, it was like, this is why we do what we do, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I, mean, I think it goes in the same like space as like what I was talking about earlier with buying like good shorts compared to, you know, crappy ones or whatever. And I think it's the same thing. It's just, um, I, I, my assumption would be is like people have a harder time swallowing a shirt price, priced higher than they do a pair of like shorts or pants. Like, like even already saying like even knowing that like to start that they're already like apprehensive about spending the money on the shirts shorts or the pants but they're like oh these are like bike specific you know it makes sense yeah, and then right. when you get to a it's got a pocket like, for my phone waste yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yep you can absolutely yeah. ride in a t-shirt anytime anywhere and still have a good time yeah yeah, but the downside is you're wearing a cotton shirt and you you yeah. sweat and you go to take a picture and now you got like boob sweat lines underneath exactly. your your movies and <laughs> right, on your exactly. or, like it, it just looks all like splotchy all over the place and you're like yeah. what happened to that dude? You like go rolling around <laughs> in a mud puddle or something or like that's, yeah that's yeah. fun. <laughs> so but, you know the other thing too, I mean, and I'm I'm trying to you know speak to to both sides here for people that are listening is like um, if you are wearing cotton like if you ride a lot, you'll, you'll, you'll notice chafing in places because of that cotton. It's just not, not the same or like, um, maybe your nipples will get sore just from the way yeah. that it's rubbing compared to like a, yeah. one of the, some of the better materials. And I mean, it sounds silly to say, but I mean, I've definitely had that, that circumstance where it's like when the cotton's wet, the way that it's rubbing on your skin, is like way more abrasive than something that's like a dry fit or something that's like wicking that, 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 that yeah. uh, water off and kind of drying fast. Well, especially when you get into East coast human environments, right? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So um, I also wanted to mention, so your, your gloves that, that I tried out, um, um, my, I noticed, and, and maybe it was just me personally, it seemed like the, the large was like a little bit bigger than maybe some of the other larges that I wear. So I don't know if you guys, if that's like, you kind of size up on your sizing, but, um, that may just been the me and this, you know, just putting them on for the first time. But, uh, yeah. outside of that, you have like a, a good stretch on your cuff that I, I really enjoyed when I put them on compared to like any other of the, like. They're at least the gloves that you sent me. I don't know if all your designs are the same, but this doesn't have a, a strap going across the wrist. So it's just like right. you slide them on and like other brands that have that type of glove. Usually when you're putting them on the, the, the hole to get your hand in is kind of small and it's that way. So that whenever they are on that, they, they fit well. And the way that his are designed, they have this uh, kind of like a, an elastic spot to it that lets it stretch really good to put it on. But once it's on, it is still like just snug, like the other, other brands. So, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was my take on yeah. them. I, I, 
I think you guys also have some reinforcement right in the inside of the, I don't know what yeah. you call that in between the index and the thumb. Not, yeah. Not so, I mean, we, yeah. We just call that a reinforcement patch. It was really interesting because, you know, I motoed for a long time. Right. And I wore fly racing and I wore their gloves, mountain biking. And I'm like, I know mountain bike gloves can last longer because they're basically the same thing as moto gloves. I mean, especially like moto gloves kind of had that good, better, best. And as you started going up, you started getting a little bit more like double layer padding on the palm and maybe some like, um, you know, the plastic you like, um, not plastic, but rubber you see on the outside of gloves, like protection Mm -hmm. called TPR, thermoplastic rubber. Um, But like the entry level gloves, like, you know, these thin, I'm like, and they lasted. I'm like, I know this can be done, you know, and just having issues with a lot of gloves out there just not lasting. And so we, I really kind of went back to look at some of my moto gloves and like where reinforcement patches were, where certain materials were. And, you know, that's just a really comp. It was a really simple fix. I'm just, I don't yeah. know why more people don't do it. Um, and, you know, the other thing, I don't know how much you noticed the thumb swiper material, you know, that you swipe your nose or your sweat, your brow with, um, we use um, a very, it's almost like a microfiber. And <clears throat> what's really cool about that is it's super durable and it also doesn't get brittle over time. A lot of times the terry cloth material that most companies use over time, it kind of turns gray, it changes texture and it'll get kind of brittle and uncomfortable. Our stuff will stay the same a year from now, two years from now, and it's more durable too. So it's not quite as absorbent. That's the drawback to it. There's always a give and take. Um, but it was really like, you know, one of the intentions was, you know, we, of course, performance is always like top, right? As in, you know, how do they fit? How do they grip? All those type of things. But like, we really wanted to make something that lasted. And um, we also have what's called the Ride Life Guarantee, which was we guarantee all of our products against manufactured defects for life of the product. And so, if like, if we're going to put our thumbs on the table, um, I guess pun intended with gloves, then, you know, we a good product, right? And um, gloves are challenging, man, because. They get the most abuse out of anything you wear outside of shoes, right? Like, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's one of those things too, where like people, you know, they'll they'll be like, "Oh man, I wore those gloves and they ripped," and it's like, "Yeah, dude, you went freaking falling down the hill at twenty five miles an hour and like through briars, from, yeah, they kept your skin from falling <laughs> off, dude. If they ripped, yeah. they did their job. Like, leave exactly. it alone, <laughs> like, right." But, like yes, it yep. sucks you have to buy a new pair of gloves, but guess what, dude? That's that's exactly what right. you're supposed to do. Exactly. So. I was like, anytime I take my kids to the ride in the neighborhood, I'm like, put your gloves on because if you crash, you're gonna be really thankful you had them on. Yeah, yeah. I'm always surprised with the guys that I see that ride without gloves. I just can't do it. It just doesn't doesn't work for me. I don't know how. Like when your hands get sweaty, you still have grip. Like that that blows my mind. I don't get that. I feel like those people's hands don't sweat. I feel like they have to be those people that their hands just don't sweat because yeah, mine turn into like like a variable rainforest as soon as I start right. doing anything. Like yeah, I won't be same. sweating anywhere else on my body except for my palms. You know, like, <laughs> right. like it starts there. The other thing I wanted to say too about your gloves that that um, was one of the first things I tried when I put them on was that they do have the the touch sensitive stuff on the the index finger so that I could um, activate my phone and do whatever I wanted to do on there. Yeah. I, I've been I've I've got some some really big name companies like huge companies gloves and they didn't work on the phone. You had to like take your hand off or use your nose, and it's yeah. like. This is ridiculous from for a company like that's like a multinational, like huge company. You think that yeah. they would like get that part figured out at least. So yeah. I was glad to see that. 
Well, and like, you know, it takes a little getting used to, but once you get used to it, like, I'm not as fast, but I am really close to being as fast typing with my thumbs with or without my gloves. Like, you know, it, 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 the way you push your phone's a little bit different, you know, to make sure it engages. But I mean, I, I never, ever, ever, ever take my gloves off to use my phone on the when I'm writing because I don't have to. So is, is the thumb and the index with that material or is it all right. the fingers? Yeah, just, just the thumb and index. And again, something's a little bit different. If you look, we do it differently. We sew a different patch of material. So a lot of companies will use like they claim the whole palm material is touchscreen, and I haven't. I, I mean, maybe there's something out there that works great. I haven't found anything um, that is touchscreen sensitive and also durable, right? Or they'll use like um, the uh, silver, right? You see like little little silver um, uh, touchscreen fibers in there, and those don't work very good. This is like if you look at the thumb and the index finger, it's the entire. It's a patch. You'll see a sew line. Yeah, yeah. No, I could tell it was a different piece of material. Yeah, there. and it just it it works. Wet, dry, doesn't matter. It never changes. It doesn't degrade over time. It's not something that'll you know, not quit working a year from now. Like it'll always work. So mm -hmm. I don't know how it works. I I hate to tell you, but I keep the magic in the box. We tested. It works. We've kept it and not changing it. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So along your journey here, you're, you're doing your thing. And, uh, how'd you end up getting hooked up with, with Seth? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good part of the story. So I told you about this mastermind group, <clears throat> which was, um, friends that, that ran crank joy. It was a media site and another friend that has a mountain bike tour company here called Red Wolf mountain bike tours. Um, and so the three of us would get together and we talk about our businesses and bounce ideas and, so Barrett, um, who's the owner of Red Wolf, somehow got connected with Seth. I can't remember how, but started running trips for him. So it was the Seth Bike Hack spring or fall trip. Seth would come and ride with everybody for the weekend. It was all inclusive, right? And um, so after I got started with Cognitive, I guess it might have been a little over a year, maybe maybe six months into it. I can't remember the first one, but I said, hey, do you want to do a shirt for your, for your trip? Like, let's just come up with a custom design and everybody gets a shirt. And so like, you know, let's just split the, split the cost. Like I'm not, I'm not making any money. Right. It was just a way for me to get my brand out in front of the writers. I wasn't even really as much thinking about connecting with Seth. Cause that was like a kind of like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not even ready for that. You know, it wasn't even something I was considering at the time, but of course it was like Seth's logo and Seth's tour. So anyway, <clears throat> after doing that three or four times, like, you know, I got to know Seth a little bit. He actually lives like five minutes from here which is pretty convenient. <laughs> so right. um, Burn Peak is right down the road. But um, so got to know him. He got to see the quality of our shirts, the quality of our screen print. And he was having quality issues out of whatever um, print on demand um, company he was using. And he, you know, he, he even says like, man, I was at, I think it was at Whistler and somebody came up and was like, Hey, I was really excited to see him. And like Seth looked and the logo was faded. And he's just like, Oh my gosh, this is a, you know, he was just really unhappy with the quality. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll say this right now for anybody listening, when you're using direct garment and I mean, it's what I use too, it, it, just because of what I said earlier, but the quality, there's like zero quality control and wow. you may have the logo placed perfectly on a large or an extra large shirt. But then when they size it up, it's like whatever's going on with their machine. Like it, right. it's like all of a sudden you wear a two X and now the logo is up at your neck or you wear a small right. one. Now the logo is down at your belly button. So like th these are the reasons that, that you would want to like move from 
doing a, a director garment to like actually using a, a, a reputable company like cognitive so just trying to fill in yeah. the blanks for those of you guys that aren't in the industry of of making yeah. merch and selling it <laughs> yeah well and and so um anyway you seth moved was moving to burn peak and you know want to come up with a new logo and he approached me and says hey do you want to work together and at this time this was this was um this would have been 2019. Yeah. So cognitive was a year and a half old. And, um, I'm like, you know, of course I'm going to say yes, you know, I'll figure it out later, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, that's a huge opportunity. I mean, huge I opportunity. Mean, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, to this day, like Seth and I, I mean, we just trust each other, you know, There's no contracts. Like we just trust each other and have since day one. And, um, he's, you know, he's a friend, but he's a great business partner. Like we work well together and it just, we just, we just clicked, you know, we both, you know, do what we say we're going to do. And it was a really good, you know, the brands and the identity and everything. But I, I joke with them and I'm like, I don't know who took the bigger risk. Like me thinking I could actually do what I said I was going to do for you. Or are you thinking I could do what I said I was going to do for you? So I worked with a graphic designer, a friend in town here to, to come up with the burn peak logo, which is a coat of arms. It's the one that has um, drama and the bear on one side. So I worked with the graphic designer to come up with that, you know, collaborating with Seth. And then the first order we did was September. So again, I'm working a full-time job here. Okay. And we did with the first order I ever did with Seth was a pre-order. So I had to figure out how to do all this on Cognitive. It's just me. I'm, I'm a one man show here. Right. And um, so you're like figuring out how to make the website work and like how to yeah, get, take the orders I mean, and all that. We're, we're so small. I'm printing shipping labels off by putting a piece of paper, a shipping label paper in my inkjet printer. I don't even have a thermal label printer yet. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what was going on. Right. And so we do this and I like, I, I get it together, man. And it's like, all right, pre-orders open for eight days. I, I get with my screen printer. I'm like, we're going to, we're going to close it down. We're going to order the garments. And then you guys got to print, you know, within a few days. And then we got, and then I got to ship all these. So long story short, and I, I did buy a thermal labor printer to, in preparation for this in like eight days, man, we sold like, it was, it was close to like 2000 shares. <laughs> I'm like, ah, right. And, um, I actually, I don't, I don't know where it is. Oh, it's over there in a, a bucket, but I have a, I have a, one of these canvases of my driveway lined up with boxes and so I contracted my screen printer to fold and package the shirts and clear labels. And then I had some friends. I was like, hey, anybody want to make some extra money? And I printed out all the shipping labels and picking, picking uh, packing slips myself. And I sorted them by color and size. And I would literally come over to your house with boxes full of shirts, pre-sorted like this is a gray medium men's shirt. Like everything in here gets this shirt. Everything in here gets this shirt. And people were packing at their houses. I'd come back with my truck, pick it up, go to the post office, drop it off, bring another one. I had like four or five people packing orders. And dude, we got we got the shirts on Monday, printed, done, packaged, and um, or or you know uh, folded in clear poly bags. And I had I think like I don't remember, but by Saturday I think I had all but like five orders shipped out. Like it was like a massive success. I can't believe we pulled it off. I even rode my bike that Friday afternoon. That's yeah. got to be so exciting because I'm sure like up to that point, your biggest order was, I don't know, let's just guess like maybe somebody's doing like 50 shirts or something like that. Or I, yeah. I don't even well, know. 
we, you know, I wasn't even really doing custom then. Right. So the biggest order might've been a hundred dollars for shirts or something. Right. 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 So to have like yeah. all of a sudden 2000 shirts to make and yeah. sell like yeah. on one hand, I can see that being like, right the fuck on, you know, yeah, exactly. and on the other hand, like, holy shit, what did I get myself into? You know, hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, well, I mean, to put it in perspective in eight days, I did more, you know, top line revenue than Cognitive had done collectively since it started, you know? So it was, it was definitely like, it was really cool because man, some of those customers are some of the best cognitive customers, most loyal. They're the champions of the brand. They want to see succeed to this day, you know, almost four years later from that. It's just, it's really cool to see how that all came together. And um, that's how I met them. And like, they're just, so many people that I met through Seth, you know, through that first order, have been so supportive of the brand. It's 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 pretty awesome to look back and and see that. Um, so I want to tell you, like, honestly, as a a person that that had no clue who you were other than seeing Seth talk about his merch on his channel, like, I could definitely tell that when that change was made in the the quality of because that's always wearing his, his stuff the quality yeah. of, of like what the merch was and like how good the gloves were for example and like how good the jersey looked and like the way that the designs were like it, it was definitely you, you for me like as another youtuber like looking at his merchandise it, it was like man there's definitely like there, there's a level of like professionalism that's coming out, like coming along with this merch that is way different than like what I'm offering my people. So like it was, it was something like, wow, this, this looks really good. So you've done a, an excellent job of doing that. And I guess my assumption would be that that's kind of what led into then BKXE and single track sampler as well. Yeah, exactly. Obviously they're all friends and, and they talk and, um, you know, so after that pre-order was like, okay, this work, let's do it. Let's go ahead and make some stuff and stock it and sell it. Right. And then that, you know, that's, that's all we do now. Right. Is um, we, we make, we stock, we sell, we don't, we don't do pre-orders anymore for, we, we do pre-orders for trail clubs actually for like fundraisers. We do quite a bit of those, but we don't from you know, the YouTube standpoint. And so um, yeah, connected, connected with Alex um, connect. So, so currently we do, um, you know, Burn Peak, Seth, Alex, um, BKXC and Eric Porter. And, oh yeah, um, that's right. Eric Porter too. Yeah. yeah we, I saw yeah, his design. He has one that looks like kind of like a Slayer logo. Yeah. That, it's that, called the Trail Slayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And so, you know, and you know, we get inquiries, you know, sometimes about that. And like we, um, so we have a separate custom division, which my, my wife manages and, um, we do custom for everybody, bike shops, um, other brands, you know, suspension companies, uh, Facebook groups. We do a ton of nonprofit trail club work. That's probably our biggest customer as a whole, because that's just part of our mission and vision. Um, and we, we, we do a little bit of custom for YouTubers, but it's, it's hard because as, as big as these guys are, we still got to make right decisions, you know? And again, we're, we're, we're making at scale, you know, we don't, we don't just make 12, you know, we're making 50, hundred, 500, whatever, whatever the product is. And it really, it's, it's, it's still difficult, you know, picking, it's funny, analyze, we've tried some different things and Seth and I are like trying, let's try this, let's try that. And, you know, just cause it's Seth, everything doesn't hit as hard as one design versus the other. It's amazing 
sometimes how one design can sell twice as fast as another one because it just really resonates, you know, with um, with his followers. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure that works with those bigger channels because they they probably sell a lot more. Like it, it wouldn't make any sense for somebody like my my size to do that where you're stocking the merchandise because you'd be like holding yeah. on to that stuff for like the next five years but right. but like yeah. a pre, but but like a pre-order thing like yeah. that would be something that i that somebody like my size would probably yeah. be more interested in is that something you say you don't do that anymore or is that something well, like no no we do we just find ourselves doing it more for truck clubs and mm-hmm. man super interesting and we tested it this year so we have a couple of trail collections that we make stock and sell like Pisgah national forest. And that's Pisgah area, Sorba mountain bike, Atlanta. Well, we tried some smaller stuff for clubs and it just, it didn't work, man. It just sat here. Nobody's buying it. We're losing money. They're not making any money. We have the investment, right? And we're losing money. Our cash up, our shelf space is tied up. So we had made a commitment to a trail club that we were going to stop making stock a collection for them. And I wanted to back out of it, <laughs> you know, because I realized we were going to lose money. And I said, you know what, we, what we found is with pre-orders because there's a sense of urgency in most cases, the store is open for 10 to 14 days. Like we sold more jerseys for this trail club, which is a fraction of the size than we did one of our main areas that we stock and sell and didn't do a pre-order. And it just went to show that like, when you have something like that, where there's not this massive demand, when there's urgency right? And like scarcity is like, we sell more. So we, we've, because people know, like, I can't just come back and get it later. I need to order it now. So we found that really to work really well with smaller brands. You, we did that with, um, uh, Kevin steady spin. We did a pre-order for him a couple of years ago and some t-shirts and we do a lot. We do a ton of that with, um, truck clubs. So it works yeah. really well as it, it also requires no investment, right? Um, I, I, honestly, we're not making the investment because we're getting the pre-orders. You're not making the investment and your fans, followers, you know, subscribers, everybody gets, you know, awesome gear and it really ends up being a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I did way back when, uh, like a Teespring kind of thing a couple of times and that was all where you could do it timed like that. And, um, obviously the quality isn't like what you guys are doing. So right. I'm not, not saying that to compare in that sure. aspect, but I, yeah. but what you said about the, the time, the timing, like making that kind of like the urgency, I, I agree a hundred percent. Like it, it definitely makes a difference for people. Like people know that like my shirts are up there always. And yeah, you know, I see the orders, they come in, they, they go and like, but it's, it's definitely like, if I was, taking these designs and being like, Hey, you got 30 days, like get yeah. on it. And that's yeah. it. And then talk about them over and over again. Um, yeah. Then I, I would, it would probably be more, it would definitely be more lucrative for me. It's just like right yeah. now for me, it's like, where do I want to spend my time at? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that, then that's the thing that works well with pre-orders with us because we handle the whole process, you know, we make it easy. Yeah. It's like, we work with you to make the design, go market it. We take care of the rest. We fulfill the orders. We take care of all the customer service. Um, the other nice thing about it too, is like, we don't have the cash commitment of stocking it. And if it doesn't sell, doesn't sell, we can't do something else new. And what's great about pre-orders. Oh man, we only sold 12. We only sold 20. Okay, fine. You know, it was great. People got some great merch, you know, that was awesome. 
Well, guess what? Because we have no investment, it's six months later. Let's do something different. Let's do something new. And so we're able to kind of keep that going more regularly and coming up with new designs and, you know, offering new products instead of kind of like, we still got the same thing six months later and you guys need to buy it if you want something new. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, um, that, that's pretty rad. That, that definitely, um, it makes me think about what I'm doing and whether or not I should be even bothering with it. But I think uh, th that's, do you have like minimums though? Like if you're doing gloves, like yeah, yeah. I'm sure you have to have a minimum where yeah. you're like, yeah. what's, what's, what's yeah. the minimum on that? Like a hundred pairs or something or. Yeah. So our, actually our minimum on gloves is 50. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think uh, jerseys. So we have minimums for pre-orders and what happens is like, so I think our minimums on pre-orders are like 25, right? Well, what happens if you only sell 15 jerseys, you, you just commit ahead of time. Hey, whatever, whatever I'm short, I'll buy to make up the difference. And then, you know, you sell it um, locally or on your store. Or yeah, whatever. or give it away or whatever I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah, our minimum, and that's the thing is because we, we're one of our factory's biggest customers now because we, we bring a lot of collective volume between our custom, which is really a separate division of the company, um, and all of our brand stuff, which includes the YouTube. And because we bring volume, like we've negotiated really low minimums, which has worked out awesome because for custom, our minimum is only 10 jerseys. So like you can come to me and you get 10 jerseys made and rock and roll. Um, gloves are a little harder. Gloves are made of 50,000 pieces, you know? So yeah. um, even one gloves is 50, but you know, screen prints like 25. We do, it's funny. I just got a sample in. This is for a trail club. Um, we do full custom hats, minimum 50 on those. But like our, our number one product we sell is in custom is jerseys. Like that's people come to us and we have really, you know, flexible program with that. Right on, man. That's rad. So you guys are doing stuff like how do how does um one of your customers like choose? Do, is it that like they come to you with the design, or you guys do the design, and then um they're like you, you're like, hey, here's like five different hats you can choose from, or do yeah. they just like go out and pick anything off the shelf and like this is the hat that I like? Can you get this? Yeah, and then yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and so, um, what, what my wife does, she, she manages the custom program is she gets them on the phone. You know, you send an email inquiry and you're like, you know, it's so funny hearing people cause they're like shocked that a real human called them. Yeah. They're like <laughs> yeah, yeah, cognitive. I put an inquiry in and you know, she does that because it's so much easier to have a conversation to be able to pull out of you what you're looking for than an email. Now, after yeah. that conversation, most of the communication will be via email to finish the project. But it typically is pretty simple. It's not simple. It, it's simple to get that because most people have an idea. I want a, I want a flat bill. You know, I, this is a packable hat, right? This thing is nylon, waterproof, whatever. You know, I want a Richardson 112, okay? We make those, you know? And then from there, it's design. A lot of times design starts from a logo. We do all design. We have a designer that does all that work. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're fully in house. So like we, we take, we take your vision and make it a reality. And we just ask the right questions and we, we work, you know, through that process um, with a custom Jersey, you know, we work through graphic design. Once that's finalized, we take it to a test print and a 3d modeling. So we show you 3d photos of what it's going to look like. And then a test print, which is on the actual Jersey fabric, because guess what? Every factory, you can use a Pantone, whatever, whatever you want. One comes out red, one comes out pink. 
So we do a test print so you can actually see the colors on the fabric and then we make adjustments accordingly. And that way, before we start production, it's like you've seen what it looks like in a 3D mock-up, you've seen the colors, and we make sure you're happy before we even, you know, hit the button on the start, starting the process. And that way you know what you're getting and there's no surprises at the end. Too many people, I've heard so many stories, like they open the box and they're like, this is not what I was supposed to get. And, um, you know, we make sure that doesn't happen. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how that like color thing works because um, it's definitely one of those things that as a consumer, you're like, oh, you just pick pink and then you put it on there and it's right. going to come back <laughs> the exact same way. And it's like, yeah. let me tell you something, man, like the pink yeah. that you saw on your monitor might be different on the on your wife's laptop than the, than it was on your monitor. Yeah. And yeah. and it's like it's the same thing whenever it's printing. It's like it's so yeah. different. So there, there's definitely a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that happens there. Like even with mine, my like direct garment stuff, like I might order that shirt like four times, five times before it's actually like exactly how I want it, you know? Right. Yeah. We're, we're, let me, let me show you something. Cause this will, sure. this will, this will kind of, so while he's walking away anyway, I'll keep rambling on about that. So like the design process is just, it, it just takes some time. Like you, you, you don't like it'll like their, their applications will show you what your logo looks like on something. But once you get it in person, you're like, Oh, that's way not big yeah. enough. Or, Oh, that's not yeah. over the, the heart enough. Or, Oh, that's like not way too high on the sleeve. Like, so it takes those several iterations to get those right. And then you put it on your website and hope that they keep doing the same thing. Whereas if you're yeah. working with a company like cognitive, you know, that they're going to be like, once you've, you've settled that design, like, you know, they're still going to be, they're going to be right yeah. every time. Well, and, that, and that's the thing is like, you know, most designers, you know, are going to use Pantones or hex codes for colors. And again, those are accurate, but everybody's printer is different. You know, it comes out different. So this is our Jersey color chart. It is literally a piece of Jersey fabric with, I don't know, a thousand colors printed on it. And we actually don't use Pantones. We have codes like this is a this purple is a 299 P because I don't care what your Pantone is. I care what it actually looks like on the final product. So when we do a test print, if it's off, we pull out our Pantone chart and we pull this out and we go, okay, what is the closest on the sheet to this one? We actually need to adjust it over here and we change that one color or whatever needs to happen. So because yeah. we have a color chart, we can we know exactly what it's going to look like when it prints on the material. And that makes a big yeah. difference in the final product. Yeah, it definitely does. And um, people that are in printing in that industry, like they're, they're pretty familiar with like seeing that kind of stuff. But I think that people that are, um, those of you guys that are listening, he held up like basically a blanket, the size uh, that you would throw <laughs> in your bed that had like a billion different squares on it. that are all about one by one in every color of the rainbow all over it. So. It's a cape. <laughs> yeah. It keeps me warm. This is, yeah, exactly. this is what I stay warm with in the winter. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I, uh, I I recently ordered something like that, like color a color palette for laminate because I wanted to see or for vinyl, and I wanted to see these like all their colors, and I paid like first of all I'm like I don't I don't remember what the price was they wanted like let's just say it was like thirty bucks right for this like colors all these colors and I'm like this is bullshit, man, to pay this much. Like, this is like sales material. You should be giving me this because I want to like buy it. But anyway, so I, I pay for the, pay for it. And then it doesn't even come with like 
I was really interested in these like neon colors that they have. And it was like not part of the package. I was so irritated. <laughs> anyway, so that was just my little side bitch about yeah. vinyl. It's, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've all been there one way or another, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. So where do you want to where do you want to go with it? Do you want to keep like direct to consumer? Do you want to see yourself show up in like some retail spots or what are you thinking? Yeah, I know it could so, change tomorrow. <laughs> whatever I say may change tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, direct to consumer is our main business. Um, we uh, we launched a new website. Um, you know, in 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 part of pursuing that effort, um, Joe, one of our team members. So we have, including myself, there's six of us. Um, we're all here, Western North Carolina, except Joe. He's in San Antonio, works remote, and um, he built us out a new website. And, um, and then, um, you know, that's, that's, that's always been the core of our business. Um, and, um, Rachel, who I mentioned earlier, so she and I do all the brand development, right? We do, we do all of the, the, uh, product development together. And of course, you know, team and consult and whatnot, but we, we, it all starts here. And, um, she actually, uh, through persistence and everything got us into the REI here in Nashville, which is pretty awesome. Oh, and, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. Really right. So that's, it's going really well with them too. Um, so, you know, it's a local program. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go national, but it could be a stepping stone. Um, mm -hmm. and products and a few other um, bike shops in the area. Um, so, yeah, as you can imagine being, you know, kind of the, the mountain bike Mecca on the East coast there's some really amazing shops here. And um, so we've got some really, really great customers here with mountain bikes and, uh, quite a few others that are coming on. We're doing a lot of custom work um, for a lot of bike shops here. And um, so where's it going to go, right? We're, I mean, as of today, um, so I, I'd always done a little bit of custom and, and custom is not YouTube. Custom is I sell, I, I make it, but I don't sell it. Okay. Right. You know, right. so like let's say the bike shop out here that's got 30 stores, they want their own yeah. jerseys made and they exactly. contact me and they're like, Hey, I want to, that's what we do. Shirt. Yeah, we do that as well. Right. Yeah, so I'd always done a little bit of that. My wife, uh, our, our youngest kid, finally went to school. By the way, this is kind of cool for any Burn Peak fans. This is my youngest guy. He was four years old. That's on the Snake Pit Skinny at Burn Peak. It was our first youth jerseys, which were Burn Peaks. So we went out there and did a little video um, shoot with Seth. It was awesome because he was walking by Seth, and he saw me. He says, hey, I really like your videos. And just kept walking past him. <laughs> um, so... Um, yeah. So, you know, as, as anyway, kids went to school, started chatting with my wife and I said, you know what? I could ask for custom all the time and I have to say no, because I don't have time, you know, I'll do a few favors. It was really kind of like doing favors, honestly. And um, so she came on board about a year and a half ago, full time and is doing a phenomenal job and like grew custom ended up being going from like 0.001% to almost 25% of our revenue last year. Um, you know, our top line revenue. So that, that program is, is exploding and um, we're doing stuff all over the country. You know, we've done stuff out in the West coast, all over the place, but the highest concentration of our custom customers are close out from our nucleus here in Western North Carolina. So we're just like hitting the tip of the iceberg. So tons of emphasis on custom. Um, I know one of the ways I got connected with Tom outbound lighting, we did gloves and jerseys for them. Um, oh, so nice. Yeah. He's a good dude, man. I yeah. forgot. That's how, that's that's uh that's how we ended up at chatting in the first place. Is yeah, that yeah. He uh, connected the dots there. So, yep. 
So he, it's he all lived about here. networking and it's all about yeah. networking in the mountain bike industry. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So he lived here before moving out West. And I was, when I started cognitive, I was like a stalker on Instagram. Like, Oh, you mountain bike and live here. I'm going to follow you, you know, just try to meet people and get the brand out. And I met him at, uh, out in Pisgah one day and, and rode with him. And I, I looked at him and, and if you've ever seen Tom, like his pictures, he, of course he's a lighting guy, right? He's an electrical engineer. He has this spiky helmet light thing that he wears sometimes. And um, I was like, are you Tom Danger Place? That was I knew everybody by their Instagram handles. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, was it the helmet? And I was like, no, it's your bloody shins. Because he was always posting photos of his shins bleeding. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> if he takes a banger on the shin. Pedals, right? We, we got yeah. to get him some pedals. <laughs> hey, to this day, like four years later, if he takes a bad banger on the shins and it's bleeding, he sends me a photo. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> but, um, That's funny. Yeah, so big emphasis on custom. Um, we hope to really grow out that program. Currently, um, our building here, we bought this property about a year and a half ago. Um, phenomenal location right on the main highway here going into Hendersonville Brevard, four acres. There's a house up on the hill here, which is called the Cognitive Ride House. Um, we gutted that. That's an Airbnb. And um, we did a full remodel on that last year. Then we renovated this half of the building I'm in. It's kind of done. You know how it is. Remodel, 99% done. I actually painted some patches on this wall behind me this morning because I knew this is where I sit. <laughs> I was like, where am I going to sit? Because everything's a wreck. You know? So the other half of this building, we're opening the Cognitive Brew House, hopefully in April. And that's going to be retail store, uh, coffee shop, and taps. And it's just our clothing. It's not a bike shop. It's not outdoor store. We are cognitive only. And it's like a full taps. What's that? Like beer taps? Yeah. Yeah. We've got taps um, and like full scale coffee shop. I mean, the whole thing, like we're not, we're not shorting that, you know, it's not retail first. Co it's coffee and beer first with retail. Um, so it's going to be a whole separate Are business. Are you like close to, to a trailhead or something like that? Where it's like, where people would be like swing by, have a beer or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we have about 10,000 cars a day that pass right here and we're at the corner on a stoplight, which is a major thoroughfare, which is really nice. And um, right, I don't know, 100 yards on the other side of the highways called the Acousta Trail. And it's a greenway that is connecting Hendersonville and Brevard. It's 18 miles. And they're starting construction this year. And we're right off the trail. So oh, that'll be nice then. Yeah. So that'll be nice for it, right? Yeah. Stop you can't or like ride start there, go do a 36-mile little, little. I mean, yeah. I mean, you back. can't. People are not going to ride trails and then come here on their bike. But. They're going to they're going to pass here leaving the trails. But the other thing that we're doing is all yeah, the but I was thinking like it. My, my assumption is that trail that you're talking about. is kind of more like a paved like along the river. Kind exactly. Of trail, right? It's not a mountain bike trail. It is a flat. Right. Old but road like road. if somebody's yeah. coming to go do like a little road ride or a little yeah. little gravel ride, like yeah. they could be like parking over by your place. Go do the ride out and back and then yeah. sit there and have some beers yeah. with your buddies or whatever. Like, 100%. Yeah. Right on. That's it. That's rad. Yeah. Well, the other thing we're working on the property is we are working with Seth to open a free small public bike park. <clears throat> so we have world-class trails. Like, un I mean, I travel, I ride and I come back here and I'm like, man, I'll take this any day. Like, it's just, it's so good here, but there is nothing for kids. Like every, you know, all three of my kids ride. My little guy was pedaling on the trails since he was four, but it's like, and you know, it's like type two fun for them, right? You know, they go out and they got to climb, you know, to get a good ride in six, 700 feet. And it's like, it's fun a couple days later, you know? 
And there's just nowhere to ride. I mean, there's literally nowhere to take your kids within a 30 minute drive. There's one place in Asheville that's decent, but man, with traffic, you're 45 minutes. Well, man, my kids get out of school. I can't drive 30, 45 minutes, ride, and then come home and homework, all that. You know, Burn Park. Is- are you thinking more like 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 a pump truck kind of like like so, place, or are you thinking more like yeah. a, like actual like a tr- little small trail network? So not a trail network. Take a pump track and make it into three different lines. So instead mm-hmm. of being a continuous loop, it'll basically be like downhill pump track lines, um, and then a return trail. So what we're doing is we're working with some. You know, there's a lot of um, bike industry businesses here. So we're teaming up with a couple looking for some sponsors to help build this out because from the very beginning, you know, our vision has been free to the public. Like I don't ever want a parent to, we, we've got an indoor bike or a covered bike park. And I take all three of my kids. It's a hundred dollars. They're going to be bored in 30 minutes, 45 minutes. It's not built for them. It's, you know, and like, I don't ever want that barrier um, that I've had with my kids of like, there's nowhere to take them without low investment of time or low investment of cash. And so our goal here is to build something that's progressive. So you and I, you know, the kids may roll it, but you and I might double it. They can work on skills and they can also build a love for the sport so they can build their fitness. They can build all of those things, go out to the forest and enjoy themselves more. Like we're the stepping stone to a real bike park and we're close. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to have like something huge. Like I, I think that some, some of the spots where, where people are um, trying to get something approved, in, in a park and and they go from like this small idea into like turning it into this like huge like network let's just say and i know myself as well as like what i've seen here in my local area for instance there was a spot on a state park that wasn't sanctioned that a bunch of people made these like maybe there was like five or six different lines that were all maybe at most 100 yards long that went into a jump or something like that. But there was hundreds of, of kids in every week riding this stuff, Yeah, you know? And, and realistically, it wasn't much bigger than maybe like if you put four basketball courts together or something like right. that. Right. It doesn't take much, man. But it was enough that, I mean, there was guys out there that were in their 30s and 40s doing the same thing. And, and it's like, right. I think yeah. that that's the stuff that really like you could make a 150 foot long little technical line with some rocks in it yeah. that takes you, you know, through two minutes to pedal back up to the top, but you can do it over yeah. and over again. And if it's right in your yeah. backyard, it's something to do. Like I know when I was a kid, we would do that. I mean, we would ride yeah. down to the school that we knew there was a little booter that we could hit next to the stairs. And, and then on the backside of the school, there was another little like something you could jump off of that was kind of like a tabletop or something, you know? And it was like, yeah. we would ride around that school maybe and hitting those like three or four features that were there for like an hour. And then maybe we would exactly. ride somewhere else and do something else. But like, you really yeah. don't need this huge, like expansive thing. And it also doesn't yeah. need to be these like, oh, it has to have, you know, big tables with you know four foot gaps in between it and it's like no man just build something that people are actually going to use you know exactly yeah yeah and that you know what we're we're number one we're trying to meet that need like here because it it just it's hard to complain about the writing here but that is a complaint right it's just there's no investment from our local municipality in any aspect no 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 county trails nothing there's a there's one bike park in town which is not really a bike park (laughs) and it just it's 
you know, it's got some dirt jumps, but it's like, it's not, you know, my, it's not even my, my kids don't have fun there. You know, like they don't, nobody really wants to go there. Um, Burn Park, which is the public bike park that, that Seth um, built outside of Canton with the local town is awesome. Um, but again, it's, you know, it's 45 minutes away. If traffic's not terrible, it's amazing. And I took my kids there and like the rollers and the berms and like, you know, usually when I, when I take them in the forest, they're like, I, you know, they're not ready to come back. Right. Like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of climbing. We're at Burn Park. And they're like, can we come back tomorrow? You know? And I was like, that's the opportunity. That's the difference at this age. Not every kid wants to go, you know, um, drag themselves up a big climb, but this will allow them to fall in love with the sport. And that's the best thing we can ask for. So yeah. And I think that there, there's, there's a lot of room there, even for adults, you know what I mean? There, there's a yeah, lot of people that are, that are new to the sport. I, I feel yes. like a lot of different places that I've been, they have like zero places that you can work on progression. Like exactly. the only way that you're going to work on a drop is to go out and like, there's that one drop in the trail that you ride, but it's like, yeah, you got to pedal for five miles to get to it and you get one shot. And, and maybe if you section yeah. it with your buddies, you get a couple of shots, but yeah. like, like there, there should be like a, a pump trap type place that has like, here's a one foot, yeah. here's a two foot, here's a three foot. Yeah. Not like here's a one foot and here's a 12 foot. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like I mean, build that stuff somewhere else. But I, I yeah. really feel like like there's a, a lot of room for um the lower level yeah. or the mid-level like yeah. riders yeah. to be able to go have fun. Yeah. I mean, we, we hope it's built out in a way that um private coaches bring their clients here. You know, like that's yeah. it's we want it to be open for that. So yeah, that'd be super rad. Man, we're almost at two hours right now, dude. Uh, yeah. I want to, like, really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with me for sure. I always ask people at the end of the show, like, what, what YouTube channels they like to watch, whether it's, like, basket weaving or mountain biking or nothing at all. It's it's interesting. Sometimes you find out some nuggets yeah. that you're like, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. So out, outside of uh, all the YouTubers we mentioned, right? <laughs> um, my favorite thing to do, and I do this while I'm working, is I absolutely geek out um, watching live music on YouTube. Like I've got Spotify, whatever, but most of my music is consumed watching live videos, even if I'm not watching. And it's like, man, I just saw Tears for Fears. Like I played this live concert over some radio station. You know, those guys are like white hair. Like, I didn't know they were still around. I wasn't even like a big fan, but you know, the songs like they're like, it's just, there's, there is so many like amazing small radio stations. Like I'll, I'll give everybody a few look up KEXP. You probably heard of like NPR, tiny desk concert, um, audio tree. You find these bands that like, you've never heard of that are amazing. And the music is just, it's raw. It's good. There's so much like emotion and heart going in. Like that's, that's, I, li- I consume a lot of music that way. I absolutely love it. Right on, man. There's a good market for the VR headsets and that stuff. I was watching a, a video not too long ago where they're showing like they could like record these concerts in a manner where you could put on the, the headset and it basically like feels like you're like standing, you know, two people back at the wow. concert and like right. it feels like you're there, you know, like so. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It would be rad to see how that that plays out in the future, though. So yeah, once again, sure. man, often really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to sit down and chat with us. It's definitely um, definitely was a fun conversation. If anybody out there listening hasn't uh, taken a look at his website, it's cognitive 
mtv.com so c-o-g-n-a-t-i-v-e mtv.com or you could swing by his instagram or his facebook and give him a give him a look over there and if you're on instagram or facebook and you haven't followed me yet please do me a favor and and do that because when i see those numbers grow it makes me happy and um my happiness is what keeps me doing this because that right now is definitely not like the dump truck of money coming from YouTube because that that's like yet to be seen. So <laughs> anyways, I really appreciate everybody out there. If you feel like, you know, when you go to the bar, you buy a beer from the bartender and you throw him a buck. If you want to throw a buck at me, you can do that on Patreon. It's pretty simple. And um, those of you over there on Patreon, once again, thank you very much. If you want nothing to do with any of that, just remember one thing. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one. Ha, ha, ha.